Every seven years, every single Jewish person would gather in Yerushalayim on the second day of Sukkot to hear the king read rousing, inspiring passages from the Torah as part of the mitzvah of Hakel, which is described in this week's parasha. We're going to see that when Rashi describes some of the details of Hakel, he seems to focus on some and leave out others. We need to understand what is bothering Rashi. What did he have to clarify that we might have misunderstood about the mitzvah of Hakel? We're also going to see if the details he, he mentions are specific to the role of the king or specific to the mitzvah of Hakel and we're going to learn a lesson in our own lives that Hakel teaches us and why we all need to have our own king experience reading us those inspiring te- teachings and passages of Torah. Benigatsim, it says, Hakel stated in the Mishnah in Gemara with regards to the Mitzvah of Hakel, both the Mishnah and the Gemara tell us, Kama Pratim, various details you can see in Masech the Saita, whereas Rashi, Rashi in his commentary on the Parsha only mentions some of those details. If Rashi selects certain details, it must be because those specific details are the ones that are most relevant to understanding the simplest meaning of the Pasuk. Let's see what Rashi focuses on. So first of all, Rashi Rashi quotes the, the words from the Pasuk that say, Tikra es hazos, that this is a day when he, the king, will read this Torah. On his metaphor, she explains what does it mean? Ha-melech Firstly, he says, Tikra, he, the king, would read. What would he read? This Torah, which is what? From the beginning of Sefer Dvorim. Then Rashi references Kedusim and Masech Soita as described in Masech Soita. And then he goes back to the details. Where was the king when he read it? He was on a wooden platform that was constructed in the courtyard of the Beis Amidash, especially for this occasion. So now what's interesting is the Pratim was Rashi Zogt, Stein in the Mishnah Masech Soita. The details Rashi is giving us are there, amongst uh, other details as well, in the Mishnah in Masech Soita. But in the Mishnah, Stein noch kame Pratim was Rashi Veng Nitarop. Right? The various other details the Mishnah does describe that Rashi leaves out. For example, how the Sefer Torah was passed from one person to the next until eventually it was given to the king. The specific sections of the Torah that he read. The brachas that the king would say after concluding his reading. Rashi doesn't quote any of those details. The time is moving bepashos. The simplest reason why Rashi would do that is because Rashi's intention in his commentary is first and foremost to give us an understanding of the simplest meaning of the psukim. And it's not Rashi's task to get into all the various halachic details that are relevant to a particular mitzvah. If that's the case, isn't it moving? So if Rashi's goal is not to tell us halacha or the specifics of halacha, why does Rashi include certain specifics of halacha in this particular commentary? Because remember, Rashi is there to explain the pshat. So what about the pshat of the story of Hakel requires us to know these particular details? The king reads from Be'el Advarim on a wooden platform. So why do we need to know the halacha? And surely they don't give us any insight into understanding the pshat of the pasuk, do they? Well, we'll discover obviously that they do. So the first thing Rashi tells us is that the king began to read from the beginning of Sefer Dvarim is fashtanik that we understand. Because those is the optage from the welt of Yisrael, Tikra Hazois. Because that is explaining what Moshe meant when he spoke to Yoshua and the other elders, saying, You should read this particular part of the Torah. 
First of all, Tikris is shown Yochid. The first thing you'll notice is Moshe is speaking to a group of people, and yet he uses Tikra, which is in the singular. So obviously, the person who is going to be reading is the individual who is addressed with the word Hakel, which is also a singular word. The person has to gather everybody together. Now, who could gather the entire nation together? So logic says the one person has the power to bring the whole nation together is the king. So therefore, Rashi tells us, so who's going to read from the Torah? That same person, the king. The second thing Rashi has to tell us is, what does he have to read? So basis Torah has always, the fact that the Pasuk tells us that he has to read this Torah, Rashi explains, it's re- relating to a Pasuk. We have a Pasuk right at the beginning of, of uh, Sefer Dvarim where it says that that Moshe Rabbeinu explained the same language that is used here in the Pasuk. So that's the reference point that Rashi is referring to which teaches us that the king had to read from the beginning of Dvarim. So that makes sense. Those two details make sense. But the next detail Rashi tells us that the king stood on a wooden platform that was placed in Nazara. Surely that has no relevance to our understanding of this Pasuk. This Pasuk doesn't describe anything about the setup of how Hakel happened, just the requirement of what the king has to do. Why does Rashi bring it? So, maybe we'll make a suggestion. That Rashi has to tell us a little bit of this information because there is no description of how Hakel happens that the child or the individual learning Chumash will know. Because Hakel only occurred in the time of the Beis Hamikdash on Aben Chumash The child learning Chumash is not going to find any further information about what Hakel actually looked like. In fact, even in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, Hakel wasn't a regular occurrence. Once in seven years. So that would explain why Rashi gives us a reference point. Go study further in Masech Soita as the protein for Mitzvah Because Rashi wants us to know that there are many other details about Hakel that he is not going to describe. So they're available. And if we want, we could go learn them in Masech Soita. So that makes sense. Okay, we get it. Rashi is telling us, I know you're not going to get this information by learning Chumash. So here is the hyperlink. Click on this and you'll find out where you can learn more about Hakil. The only thing is, there's a problem with giving that particular answer for three reasons. Out of all the mitzvahs that were performed in the Beis HaMikdash, Hakil is actually fairly simple. Let's say, for example, Karbonus. You know how much detail is about Karbonus? Why is it that when we come to Karbonus, Rashi doesn't tell us where to go look in Zvochim to find out how to bring Karbonus? Yet over here, a relatively simple, straightforward mitzvah, get together, listen to the king. He says, you've got to find out the details in Soita. Why? Number two, base. If Rashi's whole point is to say, if you want to know more, look in Soita, that's where the Rashi commentaries should have ended. Why does Rashi add some of the detail that there was this wooden platform for the king to stand on in the Hazara? And 
possibly the strangest part of it all is where Rashi puts his placemat, his place marker of Kedusim Masechta Soita. Rashi Logic would have said that the reference to Masechta Soita should have even either been the introduction to his commentary or the conclusion of his commentary. It doesn't make sense to stick it in the middle. So he's busy talking to us, telling us what the king is going to read, where the king is going to read, and in the middle of it, telling us where to look for further information. Where Rashi places that reference, check Masechta Soita, makes it sound like check Masechta Soita to find more about what the king read, because that's where he puts it. He says, The king read from the beginning of Eilad Advarim, look in Soita, and then he adds other detail. Which is really unusual because Rashi is talking about the construction of this bima. Which is recorded in the Mish- in, in the Mishnah and Soita, and yet somehow truncates that, separates that from the part that says "Go look in Soita." Okay, so that's what we need to understand. What's Rashi really getting out over here? Why is he giving us some information, not other information, and why is he specifically referring us to Soita in the middle of the whole conversation? In order to understand that, we've got to understand another issue that Rashi brings up. We've got to understand the first part of what Rashi told us. We could understand how Rashi reaches the point of understanding who is the person reading the king. We already explained how that is logically because it's Tikra in the singular and we've got to think who is the singular individual that could bring everybody together. Logic says it's the king. That's one possibility. Or there's another way to know that it's the king who has to read and therefore Rashi is telling us What's the other way to learn it? The previous Pasuk says that Moshe instructed them, them meaning Yoshua and the Skenim is standing in front of him, and that's a plural word. The next thing it says is, read the Torah, that's addressed in the singular. So we've got to assume that at that point in the conversation, Moshe must have turned his attention to somebody who is a unique member of the community. And because we know that who is the outstanding individual in the crowd that Moshe is addressing, it's Yoshua. So logic would say, as the Mephoshim point out, when he says, Tikra, you should read, makes sense that he's addressing Yehoshua. And as Rashi has just pointed out to us, Yehoshua is the new rising king of the Jewish people. So that's the Mephoshim and how they explain it. The point being, how Rashi gets from our Psukim to saying the Melech had to read, that is fairly straightforward. And what the king has to read, as we've already shown, Rashi can easily find the link because it's the expression which derives from the beginning of Parashat Tvarim. So that's how we know he reads from the beginning of Parashat Tvarim. Now, the interesting thing is, Rashi, just two Psukim earlier, said that there's the Moshe, before he passes away, wrote the Torah. There, the intention was that Moshe wrote, 
the entire Torah, at least he completed writing the whole Torah. Bavurant Rashi has dom into Satayra, so it's neat against Satayra, no blows from Mishnah Torah. So that's why Rashi here has to clarify that despite the fact that two psukim earlier we used the expression as Satayra Azois as a reference to the entire Torah, in this case, when we're describing what the king has to read, he does not have to get up and read the entire Torah to the Jewish people, besides the obvious that it's going to be really impractical if you get all these children hanging around for Hakel, and then the king's going to read the whole Torah. Who knows how long that was going to take? But besides, that there's an association as Torah Hazois is language that re- references the beginning of Pasha's divor- or, or Sefer Devarim. But here's the question. How is Rashi absolutely sure that when the Torah says it only means from the beginning of Devarim and not the whole Torah? And let's not try and explain well that's why Rashi is referring to Soita. As if to say, well, the Pshat doesn't tell us clearly that Esatera Hazois is only from Devarim. I've got to bring in a, a source from elsewhere. Because if I'm relying on a Mishnah in Soita to prove that Asatora Hazois does not mean the whole Torah, then I'm basically saying, well, then the Pshat is that it does mean the whole Torah. So, how is Rashi absolutely convinced in Pshat that Es HaTorah Hazois does not mean that the king has to read the entire Torah? And Beis, the Baal de Lashon HaKosif is HaTorah Hazois, especially considering that the language of the Torah, uh, of the Pasuk is that you've got to read this Torah. Why didn't Rashi use a very clear expression, like Mishnah Torah, which we know is Devarim, or this book, because we're in Devarim, which would fit what the, Torah, what the language of the Torah is. The Torah is describing the entire piece that he has to read. So explain that the entire piece that he has to read is Mishnah Torah or this Sefer. Why is Rashi saying where he starts reading from? That doesn't seem to be the message that the Torah is giving us. So, don't think that Rashi wrote from the beginning of Dvorim because he wants to be in uh, to speaking similar language to what the Mishnah speaks or the Halacha about Hakel. Because we've already shown that Rashi's goal is not to tell us the details of Halacha but rather translating what the words in the Pasuk mean. So let's understand what's Rashi getting at, what's driving Rashi's opinion. And we'll see this in a nuance in Rashi's language right at the beginning of his commentary. The key word in Rashi's interpretation that's going to help us understand what Rashi intends is he doesn't say that the king reads. He says, The king would read this particular section from the beginning of Eladvarim. It doesn't seem to make sense. We know that Rashi's objective is to explain what the Pasuk means, not to tell us Aloha. So Rashi should have, his intention is to explain the Pasuk. He should have done in his typical style, quoted the word from the Pasuk, Tikra, that you should read, and then filled in the context. Who should read? Hamelech. The fact that Rashi uses the expression the king would read, 
That illustrates that Rashi is not just translating or interpreting what Tikra or who Tikra, who should read. Is a description. Rashi is describing to us how Hakel happened. He's not only defining for us who fits the requirement Tikra, read from the Torah. Why is Rashi explaining to us part of the process of how Hakel happened? Is the beer Bozel? Well, the reason is this. If you want to read Parshas Vayelech in context, in its simplest interpretation, what is Parshas Vayelech all about? As Moshe is saying that he's reached 120 years, and is instructing them on how they should behave after he leaves this world. And what's going to happen after they leave this world? Then they're going to cross the Yarden River. Moshe calls and empowers Yehoshua. And he says, You're going to bring the people into Eretz You're going to be the one to help them to inherit the land. So following that, when Moshe says, I'm stepping out, Yehoshua is stepping up. He's going to take you to inherit the land. Then it says, That Moshe wrote the whole Torah and gave it to the Kohanim to, so to speak, look after. And then the next thing is Moshe gives the instruction of Hakel. You would naturally assume that the instruction of Hakel is a direct continuation from what was just discussed before, and which is the transfer of leadership from Moshe and the succession plan to Yoshua. In other words, you would think that Moshe is still speaking to that group of people, that nation, to the Kohanim Bnei Levi, and the Kohanim who have now taken the Sefer Torah as the custodians of the Jewish people. That's who just gave the Torah to. And so you think, okay, I've just given the Sefer Torah to these groups, of, to this group of people who are responsible, the Kohanim Bnei Levi, and Tikra, who should read it? Yehoshua. Not as a king, but rather as the leader of the Jewish people going into Israel, and you could mistakenly then understand the instruction as, that it might sound like Moshe is telling Yehoshua, seven years after you cross the Yardin and you're in Eretz Yisrael, that's when you have to gather everybody together, and inspire the community, that they should have a commitment to Hashem and an, an awe of Hashem and fulfill mitzvahs. In other words, you would think you'd have a whole series of misinterpretations. Yeshua is the one who has to read. It happens seven years after they cross into Eretz Yisrael. And the reading is the whole Torah, which is the Torah that Moshe has just handed over to the Kohanim. That's how you would naturally interpret this Pasuk. Comes Rashi to say, well, that would be wrong. If Rashi wants to illustrate clearly to us that that would be a misinterpretation of the Psukim. Therefore, Zokt Rashi Therefore, Rashi tells us the scenario is actually that the king would read. It's a particular formula, a particular ritual that has to happen. And it's Mitchila Sela Dvarim. He has to read from the beginning of Dvarim. 
Was damit macht der Klar in this Rashi is clarifying for us. Allah firstly as does given as ovi venus is do amelach that this is a mitzvah that will apply when there is a king in other words a mitzvah ladoros it's a long term generational mitzvah whenever there's a king it will apply nit nomi kechevashon mission ichnesulorets not only after the initial 7 years of being in israel and based on zag is given the instruction is, yes, to Yahushua, but not in his role as leader of the Jewish people into the promised land, but Yahushua in his role as king. And lastly, Gimel, the third thing Rashi has to clarify for us is, don't misunderstand that they had to read the entire Torah at Hakil, but rather only from the beginning of Dvorim. How does Rashi know this? It's clear how Rashi knows that the king would not read the entire Torah to the Jewish people. Because the Torah tells us what the purpose of this reading was. That they should listen and learn. And fear they and therefore be dedicated to, to, to care for the observance of mitzvahs. Well, which part of the Torah is going to help you do that? Reading Pasha Snoyach? I don't know. Reading about the, the, the Makois? Maybe, maybe not. It's logical to say that those parashas in Torah that are designated specifically with a message about encouraging people to be fearful of Hashem and to observe Torah mitzvahs, those must be the parashas that he, re- that he reads. That's why Rashi specifically says he would read from the beginning of Eila Advarim, Nitni Mishnah Torah And he doesn't say read Mishnah Torah or read this book. He wants to specify Eila Advarim, Valendiverta Eila Advarim is Mudgosh, because that expression Eila Advarim highlights for us that these are words of reprimand that Moshe gave to the Jewish people. And the reason for that reprimand is because this is a critical time, the succession moment in Moshe's life, and therefore he's got to encourage the people to greater commitment to Torah and mitzvahs, which is the purpose of Hakel, and therefore it's from Eil Advarim. That's what Rashi wants us to know. Following from that, Moshe wants the king, who is going to be, in a sense, his replacement in every generation. Every seven years for future generations, should the king should repeat those sections that encourage and, and rebuke the Jewish people to get in line. I'm a you could ask, You'll say, the truth is, even though there are clear sections in Sefer Dvorim that are on this theme that encourage us to greater commitment to Hashem, not every part of Dvorim is that way. Fine. So Rashi says, I just needed to illustrate to you what the theme of the reading has to be so that you don't make the mistake of thinking you've got to read the whole Torah. Now you want to know exactly which part she is. Look that up in Masech Seita. The most important thing Rashi wants us to know is where he started reading, both so we understand he's not reading the whole Torah and so we appreciate the objective of reading. 
Und dennoch gelehnt, wie gesagt, man sagt das heute, wo es seinen Eisgerechten, welche Parsis in Eilat waren, der Melch hat gelehnt und welche hat Medalle gewonnen. You need the further details of exactly which Parsis were included and which were excluded. That you can read in Parsis Seuter. Now, es wird aber die Schale, now we have a practical question. If the intention of the king reading is that everybody should hear his reading, is not moving, something else doesn't make sense. How is this going to happen? We know that just adult, um, military age adults, males, was already 600,000 Jewish people. So what's going to happen? That's 600,000 military age males. Now add in the younger people, the older people, the, ch the children, the women, And then generations that are going to develop and produce, please God, in Eretz Yisrael. Now Rashi has a practical question. How is it feasible that everybody's going to hear what the king has to say? I'll say, why is this a question now? There are many times the Torah records that Moshe addressed the entire Jewish people and nobody raised an eyebrow then. Well, there's a few things to consider. Aleph. First of all, when Moshe addressed the community, there is no indication in the Torah that they brought their wives and children as well. There's also no indication that every single Jew had to hear every single word from Moshe Rabbeinu simultaneously. In fact, to the contrary, we have the whole order that the Rambam tells us about who came and how it was transmitted information, implying that not everybody was necessarily there every single time. This is a different mitzvah and scenario. The imperative is that the entire nation has to gather, including women and children. So that's a huge amount of humanity. And in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Hakel, the king has to get his message into their ears. In other words, it's not good enough if they stand there, but they can't hear. How's it going to happen? Therefore, Rashi says, well, here's the practicality. They made a platform for the king to stand on. A platform that allowed people not only to hear, but to see. Because when you can see the person's facial expressions and their lips moving, it actually helps you hear better. So Rashi's bringing up this detail. Because otherwise the Pshat of the Pasuk doesn't make sense. How can you have Hakel? How can everybody hear the king's message? But if Rashi is going to describe a platform, he can't leave us hanging. There are certain critical pieces of information we need to know about that platform for practical and philachic reasons. So therefore, Rashi has to explain what kind of a platform made out of wood. And it's in the Azura. Because without that information, that it is a temporary wooden platform in the Azara, we, based on things we'd learned previously, might have misunderstood how Hakel works. And then we would have got the Pshat wrong. Number one. Firstly, the Pasuk describing Hakel says that you've got to read the Torah. When is it? It's at the time where the entire Jewish nation comes to see Hashem's so-called face. Where is that? Well, you would assume that the place where you have this closeness to Hashem represented by Hashem's face would have to be inside the Heichol building. 
Now to get everybody, the entire population inside the Heichal building, that would be a nes ochi godel. It would be a huge miracle. And how are you going to build a platform inside the Heichal of the Beis HaMikdash? Therefore, so Rashi says, no, it's outdoors, in the courtyard. We find numerous times, particularly when, when Moshe Rabbeinu and, and, and Aaron Akoin had to confront the Jews on various issues, that Hashem's Shechina presence actually appears outside of the building of the oil moed, at the entrance to the oil moed. So therefore, Rashi has to tell us it's Bazora. Don't make the mistake of thinking we're going to cram all of the Jewish people inside the building of the Heichel. Second of all, Beis, Mishkan. We at this point have learned about the Mishkan as in Yonah Mishkan, Frenge Nutz, Beren Bechol Yom, that there are activities that happen on a daily basis in the Mishkan. And of course, those activities would repeat in the Beis Amigdash, the Karbonis, the Shira, etc. So how could you have a big platform, a big stage built inside the base Amikdash that you're going to use once in seven years? That's going to be such an impediment to all the other things that we have to do in the base Amikdash for the rest of the time. Therefore, Rashi says it was made out of wood. That's why it says, firstly, the actual material is wood, which is a more temporary material, easy to assemble and disassemble. But he also says, He says they made it specially for that purpose. They built this platform once every seven years and then they dismantled it afterwards so that you won't have the issue of, uh, of the concern of, you know, how does this all practically work? Um, it's also interesting, by the way, because we know that there's a halacha that says that you are not allowed to remove a stone from the base amygdash. If this bima was going to be made out of stone, it would have to be permanent, because once it was constructed as part of the base amygdash, you're not allowed to dismantle it. So therefore, Rashi's telling us it's made out of wood, therefore it was dafka possible to take it down after the hakil was over. Now, that's a beautiful insight. Now we understand why Rashi had to give us these specific nuggets of information because without them we wouldn't understand the pshat. In doing so, he gives us a fascinating perspective in halacha as Rashi sometimes does. To use an expression from the Shaloha Kodesh, there are these incredible insights that Rashi gives us to halacha. Here's one of them. In So there are two philosophical perspectives on the king's requirement to read these parashas to us on Hakil. Sidos Adin in Melech. Is it a halacha in the halachas that define the role of a king? Dos heist. Dos is enifun de chiyuve ha-melech as vizman hakel dafer leni de parashas terifar kol In other words, it's part of the duties of a king that every seven years he has to get up at Hakil and read these parashas to the people. Or there, dos Adin in mitzvah Hakil. Or it's a mitzvah that falls into the realm of Hakel. Hakel requires a king. As the parashas daven demot gilein for durchen melech. That in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Hakel, you need these parts of the Torah read by a king. Okay, so is it a chiv on the king as part of his role? Or is it in order to facilitate Hakel, you need a king? So you can have a same, the same question about the platform. Why do you need a platform in the Beis HaMikdash? Do we need a platform because it's a king? A king doesn't stand on the floor. His dignity is that he's got to stand on a raised platform. So therefore, that's why we, as respect to the king, have to create a big bima for him to stand up. 
Oder, or is it a part of the parameters of Hakel require that there's a stage for the king to read from? So obviously it would be a matter of which section of Torah teaches us this detail that the king has to read from the Torah. When Rashi comments on the Mishnah he says, that reading of Hakel has to be done by the king. Why? Because if you look in Sifri, when it describes the requirements and duties of a king, it says, He has to write for himself a second Torah besides the Torah that every ordinary person has to have. And from that, the Sifri learns, That's the safer Torah he has to use to read on Hakel. In other words, the Sifri and the Mishnah are deriving how do we know that the king has to read a piece of Torah at Hakel? We learn it from part of the duties of a king. It's part of his responsibility. And by the way, that would indicate clearly that the Sefer Torah he has to, cre- he has to read from at Hakel has to be his personal, his personal royal Sefer Torah. Whereas if you're going to argue that the source of the requirement for the king to read from the Torah is in our parish of Ayelech, because it says Tikra, he, that one individual who has the capacity to gather every person together, is the one who has to read Kanal, which is the attitude Rashi is taking here in his commentary on Chumash. Then it's not a mitzvah contingent on the king, it's a mitzvah that is required as part of the hakel process. And in that case, he'd actually be laning the Sefer Torah that is kept in the Azara, not his personal Sefer Torah. So what's Rashi's view? Rashi, in his commentary on Torah, which is the simplest understanding of the Psukim, derives, Rashi says the Pshat of the Pasuk is that the king's requirement to read from the Torah is not part of his royal duties, but part of the Hakel Mitzvah. And the specifics that the king has to read from the Torah is derived from the Tikra, he has to, as part of Hakel, be the one to read the Torah. So the fact that the king has to read, and the fact that there has to be a stage he stands on in order to read, the reason for the stage is so we can fulfill our requirement of Hakel by hearing what the king has to say. It's not because the king needs that dignity and royal flourish to stand up on a stage. That's Pshat. Whereas when Rashi is explaining how the Gemara and Mishnah sees things, there Rashi has to explain based on the Mishnah approach to understanding Torah. The Mishnah doesn't call it the parasha of Hakel, actually calls it the parasha of the king. And the entire thrust and approach of the Mishnah is to highlight the dignity and greatness of the king. Firstly, it says that the king sits on this great platform. And then, and there's a whole chain of who passes the Sefer Torah going up the chain of command until eventually you get to the supreme chain of command, which is the king. As the Gemara says, 
All of this was to highlight the great value and dignity of the king. And that's why he sat when he read from the Torah also to highlight his greatness. Likewise, the Mishnah, when it talks about the platform, says the platform is made for him, for the king. Therefore, when Rashi is commenting on the Mishnah and the Gemara, he refers to the Sifri, which says, why is there an obligation for the king to read? Because it's part of Parashat HaMelech, what he was instructed in his duties as a king, as Dosa Adin Mitzvah Totally different to how he interprets here, according to Peshut Mikra, where the king reading is actually part of the Mitzvah of Hakel. What's the lesson for us? So here's the Chassidus on this Rashi. As we well know and discussed numerous times, Torah is eternal. Even though currently we cannot fulfill Hakel in the original format inside the Beis HaMikdash with a real king. But the fact is that there is a personal Beis HaMikdash and a personal spiritual experience of Hakel that is alive and well today. What is the purpose of Hakil? The Teichen Union for Hakil by Yedin is the Kibbutz Vakolo von alle seine Kirches an Nefesh und sein Machshav Dibron Maise. In the same way as the macro Hakil is bringing all the diverse parts of the human, of the Jewish population together in unity, the personal version of Hakil is bringing all the various components of our persona, of our character, of our Neshama together in unity. Our thoughts, our speech, our action, our Einbrengen und our Einstellen, die alle in der Beisamikdash, our Pnimi Zainem, they should all gather inside the Beisamikdash in a place of holiness, of pristine connection to Hashem. That's what we all got to do. We got to bring ourselves into a space of absolute connection. And the way that it works is the king has to read from the Torah. This reading of the Torah, remember that when we say the word reading, it's got the same meaning as the word to call. So we're summoning, we're drawing all these powers into a focus. Who's going to summon all of those powers? The king. The internal king that each of us has within our neshama, represents our complete dedication to Hashem, our absolute acceptance of Hashem's authority. And that's similar to what the Tzemach Tzedek explains in Mitzvah's Minu Melech, in Derech Mitzvah Secha, about why we have kings, as the Melech is Mamshech, dominion from Kabbalah Sol, and Yerush Hashem to Eden, that the role and purpose of the king is to be able to stimulate and empower every single Jewish person to have that absolute dedication to Hashem and acceptance of Hashem's authority. So look at how Rashi is telling us that this works. The fact that the king has to read, which we're now explaining means, the fact that this sense of Kabbalah soul has to bring all of our faculties together in commitment to Hashem, is part of the Hakel experience, not just part of the king's responsibility, it's part of the Hakel experience. The purpose of Hakel is that we should listen and learn and come to be in awe of Hashem. It only works when the precipitating factor, where the motivating force is a king, is Kabbalah Sol. If we're looking to focus ourselves to do what Hashem wants based on what we appreciate and understand, we could land up being sensitized to our own needs and our own biases, which would detract from a full-blown experience of being in awe of Hashem. 
Whereas when we come from an approach of Kabbalah soul, who am I listening to? The king voice, the voice that says you've got to dedicate yourself to Hashem. Absolutely, that's when a person will will take a reach v'yores Hashem. So then come to Hemshech, but then there's another detail that's really important and got to be balanced very well. As the Kabbalah soul shall Kabbalah soul and awe of Hashem should not flatten and destroy us and turn us into a shmata. It should also be a platform, meaning. If a person only feels fear and awe of Hashem and only feels Kabbalah soul, the person could turn into a shmata. And if a person feels so inadequate, so much of a shmata, then you can't actually serve Hashem properly. Therefore, you've got to have the element of bima. Bima is a raised platform, means a person has to raise themselves up with a certain amount of confidence and strength. Like the Shulchan Aruch says, we have to get up with the power and strength of a lion. Because if we have that confidence and we have that strength, we're able to then overcome our Yetzirah. As the Gemara says, that a person should always agitate their Yetzirah to overcome the Yetzirah. So you've got to have that sense of, of inner strength. Can't just be, I'm totally dedicated to Hashem to the point that I fall to pieces. And when a person can have that strength, confidence, and sense of upliftment, then the message of the king resonates. To the extent that we have the impact that Hakel would have had. Hakel left people glowing with inspiration afterwards and feeling a sense of dedication that lasted through the whole year. The same thing happens to us when we're guided by the sense of Kabbalah soul with a healthy sense of strength. But in order to do this, you've got to have the right kind of platform, and that has two elements to it. As Dav Zayn shall aids, firstly, the platform as we would, not stone, and Bei Shoy Oisen Bazara has to be built inside Dazara, meaning. That sense of feeling uplifted and confident, and, and maybe even, uh, you know, a sense of, uh, of being higher. It has to be wooden, it has to be a temporary feeling. In other words, it can't be my main attitude. And where does the platform belong? Only in the Azorah, in the places of holiness. When I'm working on bringing all of the components of myself towards dedication to Hashem, that's when I should feel that strength and confidence. But if I'm doing something else that's not in that holy environment, when I am not currently involved in something elevated, which is all about connection to Hashem, then then I've got to be careful because then a platform, that sense of confidence and sense of, of being a, a tefach hecher could turn into something which is unhealthy, could turn into arrogance. All of this is particularly relevant as we're in the time preparing for Ashnas Hakel, as the Yodh Rebbe said, the Sicha. That empowers every single one of us to succeed in achieving this goal of our personal Hakel. And by us experiencing a personal micro Hakel, that paves the way to experience the absolute macro Hakel. In the third and we'll be able to hear Melech HaMoshiach, the ultimate king, reading these parishes of the Torah for us. 
in Bishnas Hakel Abolin, Vakolisul Teva, and that should happen in this Shnas Hakel.